the robotic technologies. And in some universities, they've managed to implant into the brain of an insect. Now, it was very funny. I enjoyed that show now because it was, they were, you know, opened their mouth and a, and a, and a creamy clear would come out That's of it. Because this other unknown. And Actually, God doing God, that then. And they're pulling it. <laughs> and they're, this is the universe is expanding and contracting. In the room, 52 Jokers Wild. We've had our interns working with us this week and it's been quite exciting because they've generated quite a few little ideas for us of what we could talk about and what we could do on the show. Um, and just again to get a different perspective because Garvin's always talked about making sure that you don't get stuck in the silo and we started to think about some of the problems of that. What, what is that silo that we're finding ourselves being forced into? And does the silo, as you get into it, compressed do you remember star wars because we talked about star wars you know they found themselves in the in the rubbish pit and it compressed in you know and so is that number in. i know it was the first one but it was probably the sixth i don't know the star wars was, etiquette was, i think it's four it was episode but it was four. one but episode it was some, four yeah it was right the there you go what a great way to start yeah. start on number four start on to 27 four. work back to two but I mean, no, I do remember them all in the in the in the rubbish compactor or the, or, yeah. or the refuse compactor. And it was and, a silo uh, and compressing. And some underwater, you know, lizard was there to try and get. get yeah. I said, great special effects. Couple of bubbles underwater. Someone in a rubber suit sort of stuck his arse up out of the air every now and again to give him a little <laughs> fright. You know, brilliant. You know, I don't know what the budget was for that piece. But actually, I I believe. The Star Wars, that episode now nearly didn't get made. The difficulty was raising the budget. And even then, they got some great special effects, which were not actual special effects. They were, you know, models they built or workarounds or, or God they, knows what. They, they were, it wasn't CGI per se. It's, it's it no, was a great use I of minimum that's, budget. That's the problem. They were actually special effects. They weren't CGI. They weren't computer generated. They were back to the old way of working where you, where you fix problems using... If it didn't work on set... It didn't go into the film type idea. And what, what's quite interesting is the new technologies that are using the uh, front projection type things or the screen projection, they've gone back to that same thing. If it can't be done on, on, on set, it won't end up in the movie because that's more cost effective. So it's kind of, but we were, we were looking into this idea of the silo and, and how does the silo compress? And I'm actually thinking of a sphere. Here's, here's a little sphere I've got here. You know, it's the moon. My old moon type thing, but does it does it does it contract? Does it go woo? And does it get smaller and smaller? And do the ideas that get in it get compressed and get compressed so much that it turns into something different? And and everybody just thinks, oh, that's all it is. A bit like 1984, which we discussed, where they they kept pruning down the language so that you could be very very concise without having any meaning within what you're actually saying. And we were actually discussing earlier on, just a short time ago, about um, how we seem to be siloed for marketing purposes. And, and, and one of the difficulties that we've got is that if we're just watching ourselves through the computers all the time, we get to meet people that are like-minded. So like-minded that you can't even have an argument. And one of the great things that Garvin and I are having is that we do have arguments because we're not thinking the same way. We're coming from totally different perspectives. And, and in one sense, because of the, 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 the situation that we found ourselves in with this pandemic that's, that's gone through, we've had to look at other ways to interact and socialise with people. And we're finding different ways and, and we're adapting. 
But in, in, in one sense, there are people that are saying, oh, I'm not getting to see as many people as I used to physically. But in, in, in one reality, they're actually now getting to see more and more people through the Internet that they wouldn't normally have had a chance to, to connect with. And I think that's the interesting thing about having these current students. We might not have been able to work with the interns that we currently have if it wasn't for the technologies. So there is some good things that are actually going on. Now, I was getting kind of a little bit on my hobby horse about uh, the fact that if you don't get a chance to get out and meet people, then you don't get a chance to socially interact and, and you end up with everybody having the same kind of mind. But what was interesting was that Garvin came up with another idea about what's really going on from a marketing perspective. So I think I'll hand over for you just to go into that little bit, if you can remember. <laughs> Because it was actually quite well, fascinating. I can't remember. You can't remember. <laughs> no, no, no. What? What? You were talking about? No, the I can't. Yeah. I can't remember. Like it was. Only, <laughs> it was only fifteen minutes ago or ten minutes ago. So I have some hope of remembering. But no, what happens? It, actually, I saw an article on LinkedIn yesterday. I didn't read it. I just saw that the heading, and I was talking about customer profiling or creating customer avatars, so you can figure out who you're trying to target your product and services too. So unless you have this generic uh, makeup of what your, your, your perfect customer looks like, you're not going to be able to communicate to them in a language that they resonate with. Because they, they all see, everyone sees themselves as different. In, and they are. Everyone's a unique individual where there's whatever 7.5 billion people on the planet, but everybody is not the, everyone's different, but the same. Because if they weren't a little bit of the same, and in the sense of there's clusters, there's males 30, between the age of 30 and 35 that have particular, you know, psycho, or I should say psychological or psychosomatic, physiological, geographic. I mean, you have to be able to classify them under a certain headings. I can't actually under, remember the particular uh, sort of terminology for it. It might be psychographics as one of the, and demographics and this type of thing. So the computer, the AI needs to know who it's targeting for Facebook, for, for, for LinkedIn, for Twitter. It wants to put out your story or your product to where you told it to put it out to. I want to talk to customers that are of the, that could become, or people that can become my customer, because that's what the game is about. The monetization of the Facebooks and the Twitters is all about the adverts. And who's paying for the adverts? The businesses. Why are they paying for it? Because they want, this is their sales and marketing strategy this is their advertising and they want to hit their target customer at the cheapest cost of acquisition and that cost of acquisition is how much does it cost me to acquire that customer or at least influence them in a way that they react and seek me out versus my competitor and, per and maybe if I get the best call to action buy my product, order it, and then keep on buying it on a regular basis, even better, and buy more of it. So it's a, this is the game. Now, what the algorithm wants to know is, I'll pay my pay-per-click you know, figures, I'll pay you 10 quid per, per, per keyword, but why I'm doing that on a, on a regular basis, and I put a budget for my, for, for my social media marketing, is if it returns a, 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 like a return on investment uh, and what that normally is is the cost of this is the cost of customer acquisition i will keep on doing it as long as it leads to sales that is the priority who am i selling to well i want someone that wants to buy widgets i want everybody that wants to buy widgets therefore who needs widgets is what the question is and the algorithm 
on the platforms, to each individual platform's algorithm, is collecting your data. And the first thing you do when you sign up to a platform, it gives you a chunk of terms and conditions. And hidden in the language somewhere is, we're going to collect every piece of data about you that exists, that you interact with us, and we're going to join it to a couple of other data sets. And what we're actually doing is profile in the 1984. We're profiling the making of you. What you eat, what you do, how much time you sleep, what programs you watch, what you spend, what you earn, what you wear, who you are, who your friends are, what they do. It's it's we're drowning. Well, we're not personally drowning in the information. The one of the biggest growth businesses out there, and actually, it, a couple of the sayings have said, data is more valuable than oil. And it's not the data; it's the intelligence within the data is more valuable than oil. And we're building data centers to build. To, to you know, we're going to have more data than data centers if we keep on keeping all the past, unless we start doing that magic matzahs out there that keeps on compressing. The the amount of volume of data that you can store and keep in, in a smaller bit of some sort of technology. But data is power, data is information, and data can be sold. It is equal to revenue. That's why these platforms and how these platforms make money. And what the data is, is who your customer, where are they, and what are they willing to buy, and who from at what price, and what can we charge you for the privilege to put those generic clusters of somebody's in front of you uh, into your business now it's a long answer but everyone's different but everybody eats drinks and sleeps everyone spends money we all wear clothes we think we're, we're unique but there's a in a billion seven billion source data set there's a lot of sames going on there's a lot of silos we think we go we'll probably walk down the road somewhere on the planet and bump into ourselves wearing the exact same clothes and are driving the same car so I'll send it back to George, otherwise he never get a chance to speak. Well, I was actually getting quite worried because at one point we had 5.8 billion in this conversation. And I was kind of going, oh my God, 2 billion people have just disappeared off the planet. Then we went up to 7 billion. And what might surprise Garvin is that currently the planet has 7.8 billion people on the planet. It's going up. It's going up so quickly. It's unbelievable. It depends if they're awake or not. I think I was dropping it from 7.8 to 5.3 based on what sort of polar eclipse or, or, or rotation of the sun that what part of the planet's on. Because if they're asleep, they're not eating or drinking. So I think it's the data set that's awake and willing to buy. <laughs> Yeah, well, ah, we see now that becomes something quite interesting as well, because now we have to start to think about who can actually buy in that 7.8 billion. And we'll probably find out that it's actually less than a million or a billion rather people that would be in the uh, who could actually afford to, to, to live and pay for something that, uh, that everybody's actually offering. So there is a, there, there becomes quite an interesting kind of moral and ethical sort of question that starts to arise because we were talking about the social activities and, and one of the things that sprung to mind was that there's a, there's a book out called uh, um, Surveillance Capitalism, which is the new form of capitalism. And, and Garvin's actually been talking about that quite a bit in that last session, because that is the data collection and mining that's going on within that. And they're using that kind of terminology, especially, I mean, Garvin doesn't like the Bitcoin thing, but they're using that idea of mining down and, and, and gathering information and gathering stuff and it almost becomes very abstract because it doesn't relate to our ordinary everyday lives. But what's interesting is that 
it is a way of actually programming our ordinary everyday lives because we become we start to accept certain bits of information that are being pumped to us through the social media and through the other forms of advertising that we see around us and other forms of, pro of propaganda and stuff which is great we we do start to find that we're we're getting very very close in our conversations to the more sci-fi worlds that we actually see ourselves in because i think if you if you went back to 1984 <laughs> the real year 1984 when we were living, if you started to talk to people about the technologies that we're currently using, they'd probably freak out. They'd probably be quite sort of shocked. And, and they would actually have that kind of that um, cognitive dissonance that the, the, their minds would explode because of the technologies and how we're actually using it. It would be data overload. Now, something else that was quite interesting, because we were talking about, uh, I, I think uh, Rebecca had actually, Rebecca is one of our interns, had actually suggested a few ideas. And we were talking uh, about um, if we're being controlled, Elon Musk has actually recently implanted something into a monkey. And I was watching another video by chance yesterday. That's a very, that's, I, I'd rephrase that sentence if you could. There's a chip, he's button it, and where he's it's implanting it is in, in, in his brain. In his brain. It's in his head. Ah, don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't think any further of <laughs> no. any imagery well, I, that I could potentially be just, in that that's sentence. Just, that's just Garvin's <laughs> mind's going on. But another video that I was actually watching yesterday yeah. as well was actually looking at the, the robotic technologies. And in some universes, they've managed to implant into the brain of an insect, so like a flying insect. Mm -hmm. And they were able to, to um, basically control where that insect flew just through the computers and connecting it to its mind. And you kind of go, well, so Elon Musk is doing the same thing with chimps. How long will it be before they encourage us to do something? One of the other videos that I saw was about, um, now this is kind of rumor stuff, but we talked about the glasses. How long will it be, you know, if you think of Joe 90, which is from the 60s, wearing his glasses and they were able to program all kinds of things so he could, he could become an expert. And, and that reminds you of, of uh, The Matrix where, he, where, where Neo downloads all this, all this skill tech that, and allows him to fly a helicopter or, or Trinity to fly the helicopter. You're sitting there going, all these ideas from, from 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago that people just imagined are now actually being implemented in our world, in our society, in, in, in what we're actually doing. And you do get to the, you know, we, I'm, I'm in a, an log cabin sort of talking to Garvin, who's, who's in, in his office at the moment, sort of two hours drive away from one another. Are we going to get to the point where, as the monkey in one of the experiments realized it didn't actually need to use its limbs because it realized it's through its own mind, it could control things around it, which is a bit like the virtual reality games that all our kids are actually playing. <laughs> Another thing that Rebecca talked about was that when she was a kid, she went out into the street and played around, which I remember doing. You know, you ran around in gangs and you made all these uh, uh, trolleys, as they call them, go-karts and sort of put car bits on them and pedals on them and brakes on them and all kinds of crazy things that you did as in, in your little gangs, which is another silo, I suppose. Nowadays, it's, it's can you do, can you create a 3D model that will go and play in Unity or, or uh, you know, Unreal engines, game engines, and it's all about game theory. E even the counselling courses I'm working on is about games theory and about how we all play games with one another. So although there are sort of ethical and sort of moral issues that sort of arise, you suddenly realize that we, we are all playing a game. It's trying to work out how that game works and how do we make it function for our best advantage. And that's where I think, again, it comes back to this sense that 
That's why you have to have diversity between the people that you're talking to so that you could get another view, another perspective of what's happening because you can get to a point where your mind is so blinkered because the thing has crushed you in that you can't see out and you need that other person to give you a different perspective to help guide you out of it. So I hope the technology doesn't actually collapse in so much that we can't see our way forward. <laughs> now, I, you were talking about, I, I started, well, stop listening there for a little while because I found a little subject in my own head and I just wanted to concentrate yeah. and remember it. I'm le I, I'll listen to this show later on and hear what you said later. But I, it was talk, I, I'm going back to an earlier show and it's a little bit of mindfulness and it's a little bit of the universe and it's a little bit of talking about at what point do you stop being you? And what it is, is I was thinking of RoboCop and there, you're, I think he lost a leg, an arm, like a half. Most of his body actually depends on which version of RoboCop you're probably watching. And they were programming, him. his personality was still in there. But I'm not too sure how many body parts were gone or if he was fully RoboCop. It was pretty much all that was left was his brain and like maybe not even three quarters of that but he was in there and and that started me thinking about the the soul and at what point do you stop being you and become the robot if you can replace all the parts so we lose an arm you know we, we've got some prosthetics out there and we're starting to move towards nanotechnology and 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 mechanical bits and pieces that with we think of elon musk's you know brain chip that and and the monkey you were talking about earlier on being able to use their thought waves and interface with some chip that can actually now move this arm as an extension and do what it needs to do in terms of the functionality but it's triggered by the brain waves and it's a human interaction moving the parts so it just feels like an extension of you as opposed to a role robotic something but robocop i was thinking you know how many parts at what point do we lose the you and and there was i think George, we, we mentioned some other show whereby some people think the soul like actually resides in near nearer their heart or there's a full aura that if you take all the parts away and you look through some sort of x-ray glasses or some aura glasses you'll still see the shape and the essence of the human form of the you which might be the soul just looks like a ghostly figure a non-corporeal figure but it's not a little dot it's a full body shape with two legs two arms and a head in a shape or shadow version of you and i was thinking right why am i thinking this in terms of marketing or otherwise when i go no there's tech here there's extending your life the tech is marketing its product it's it's has to be bought that's not going to be free i'm sure okay hopefully in star trek time we, we, we can mass produce this tech and these with these materials and maybe the machines are automated building the tech for us to, so we can live forever but no one's getting paid because there's no money because bitcoin is gone but and and everybody is pursuing the furtherance of their their creativity and life and all the rest of it but we have 7.8 billion on the planet at the moment every second you talk that goes up and down like a lunatic it, it's those life streams live longer some live to 100 years some live to to, to a day but again it's it's, it's it wasn't that 50 years ago it could have been half that 50 years ago we are potentially at a tipping point but if we get if we go a little bit further and technology allows who gets to live who gets to die who let who gets to live forever according to sir Ed, like freddie mercury who wants to live forever even if you could at what point is it pointless of doing that because you run out of things to do but if you're tapped into the inner something and creativity why wouldn't you want to live forever because as long as you're not bored then then why not keep on going as long as you can afford it so we're not robocop 
we're not inside. We don't have these options. We dream of them. We make films about them. We, we, we fantasize about it. It's not going to be for everybody. It's not going to be available for everybody. But maybe the spirit is eternal and the body is just, you know, on the, on the way to RoboCop. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, the body will wear out. There can be mechanical parts. I'll keep it going a bit, few, a bit longer. But at some point in time, it could be 130 years, you have time enough in your bodily part is to go on a spiritual journey off the corporal plane. Nope, back to you, George. Well, in 1970, there was 3.683 billion people. So actually, there is more than double the number today than was 50 years ago. Actually, it should go to 1971. Actually, 3.761 billion. Yep, so exactly half the number of people were on the planet in 1971 as there is today, which is which in itself is actually quite amazing. What was really, really fascinating was that um, whereas you thought you were going off on a slightly on a different story with what you were talking about, it actually fitted in really perfectly to what I'd just been talking about beforehand. It really is it's, it's actually amazing. So that's where that's where the, the synchronicity actually comes into what we're, what we're actually talking about. Because one of the things that is quite fascinating is, is as you said, we've got all these people on this planet, and the, and they are not just sort of physical entities. Now we, we see ourselves as being materialistic, but there is there is you know when we start to get into quantum physics and when we start to get into what the concepts of religion are all about, there is this sense of there are different parts of us. We are we are there is this kind of spiritual element as well as there is the physical element, and there is a, there is a period of time that we are connected. Now, in certain religions, they have the idea of reincarnation, where we come back, which is the altered altered carbon kind of concept, if you like, which is really, this is why science fiction is the most amazing thing to actually explore. Oh, they're not coming back there, George. The whole point is they have them stored in the cloud and they keep on yes. reloading them. Ah. But, yeah, but if you lose, if the data gets corrupted, you're gone, gone. You're gone, you know, gone. I think they said yeah. if you break the sleeve, their sleeves, you can load up and load down into the clone, into the into the body that they've built and grown. But if you break, there's a certain part of them that is that storage device, that link. Yeah. And if that link is broken, they actually, I think in in the program itself in one of the episodes, that's the way they kill you. They'd smash that part. I can't remember the name of it, but once that was gone, you're gone, gone. But I mean, as long as you have that bit, you can keep on reloading and and growing and keep on adding in the data stream. Well, I think, I think, but when you actually sort of analyze those kind of TV shows and and a lot of the sci-fi of Philip K. Dick, He's actually exploring sort of religious concepts and trying to, you know, grapple with the concept of of, of when did the, the 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 being actually connect to to the physical humanness, and then there's also the concept is it you know because Buddhism has this kind of concept that we we are actually just spiritual that everything around us the material world is is just an illusion which is fantastic because that's the concept that most gamers are playing when they go into the virtual reality game, so we're actually finding that a lot of the genesis of these ideas within the games that we're playing are actually coming from that exploration of of who are we what are we and who am i what what is the real me what is it that that exists you know because day by day you actually look in the mirror and you see this 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 the the container that you're in the little silo because we're in a mini silo is getting older and older and older and yet the mind inside it is is actually doesn't perceive itself to be any different to what it was when it first arrived and I heard a great story told by a Jewish rabbi about the fact that all the souls in heaven basically have 
when they they get told that they have to come back a bit like your sleeve thing they have to come back to this world and they, and it takes them three months to come to terms with the fact oh my goodness i have to leave this place to go and inhabit this thing that will restrict me for 20 score years or whatever it is you know four four times 20 score years kind of thing and that isn't that irritating and they also have this thing that um the reason why that most people are supposed to have that mourning period at the end, it's not for them to weep over the loss. It's actually to be there as a supporting mechanism for the soul actually going back to heaven because it's transitioning from, from being a corporal thing to just a spirit. So there is some interesting things that are about that, which do connect up to all the sci-fi stuff. You know, are we materialistic? Is that what it's all about? And it's, it, it, it's, it's fascinating because... When you actually get into conversations with most people, whether they've abandoned their idea of what God is and all that, or they talk about the universe, they still see that there's something actually influencing their lives. We've talked about this quite a bit, that there is something outside. Now, is it? Is it that there is the universe or God? Or is it? Is it that it's the internet and Elon Musk is basically just the one that's controlling us? No, there's other the maths. Though, stuff, you know? Or are we just a, an illusion ourselves because we yeah. are just a hologram? Yeah. No, I, I, what I was trying to say there for a second, well, it's popped into my head. It goes back to your numbers, even in the last uh, 50 years. This 3.8 billion to 7.8 billion journey, if they're all souls. And then you're saying, where were the other 4 billion faffing about yeah. in the meantime for the 50 years in question? Is it a slow release drip feed from some well of souls? I think we touched on that subject before. Because, or is it that there's a billion stars and there's a billion, and a billion, billion suns and, and out there there's other planets that, you know, there's a complement of souls moving between, you know, universes. But if the universe is all connected, we, we perceive distance and based on our constructs of time and distance and length. Where actually, if, it, if you're thinking in the sense of, of uh, folding space and wormholes, then a, a, a to B is, is it's all the same point. And actually, time is, is in Einstein's theory, is not necessarily relative. It's all parallel, and uh, or uh, every every point in time exists all the time. And you can go flow either direction or across ways or sideways or every which way and Sunday. It doesn't matter. But there is there a defined number of souls? If we say there's all energy cannot be just, you know, created or destroyed, therefore this journey from 4 billion to 8 billion, they were always there, always have been there. They were just somewhere else because we were only counting and perceiving them based on our understanding of 1970 to 2020 was 4 to 8 million, billion. But, I mean, that's looking in this linear direction where if you looked from sideways it was always 8 billion it's possibly 12 billion it could be 100 billion it's just on planet 1 and planet Z and somewhere else and it all exists together and we're and the greater thing it's just it's just moving around back and forward sideways and through wormholes and back again it that's what wrecks people's minds in terms of if things certain definitions of science definitions energy cannot be destroyed souls cannot be destroyed well if they can't be destroyed can they be created no they were always there well where's the other four billion is there you know and if you go back 50 years before that there was one billion where was the seven billion what were they up to no they're always there it's just that's just our concept of time 
are we energy? What is time? And therefore, does the maths, the maths is broken depending on our perception of it. But maybe it was always correct because maths is the wrong language. We don't even know what the language is. So I, I love those sort of conversations. It can wreck your head. We're back to the algorithms. We're back to the AI. We're back to going. All we are is a consumer, consumer consuming consumables at points in time. We're either naked or we're dressed. We're neither hungry or we're full. We're either broke or rich but we only are aware for a distance in time relative to where we're looking if that makes sense well <laughs> i don't think it does it does it does it does absolutely because they're talking about by the year 2100 they reckon there could be nearly 11 billion people on the planet and it's quite interesting because i decided to go back and just check through one of these in the year 1900 there was there was actually 1.6 billion people on the planet right we've a tenfold yeah. now going on now what's quite interesting if we then go back to uh now that's that's 1900 there was 1.65 we go back to the year 1000 hang on is it there? Is it there? No, I don't believe that now because you don't know. This is the weird one where we don't have the computers. Wow. We're making up the statistics. We're extrapolating. Yes. It could have been it was 9.7 billion and no evidence remains to say because we cannot because we have no facts to today well, that can actually prove or disprove. That's our assumptions. Well, the thing is that the, 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 the evidence that they have that the archaeologists would do is that and, and they would actually carbon date back to see what what there was. And they, they are actually claiming that, uh, let's look now, in 1800, they reckon there was um, less than a, a billion people on the planet. There was 9.90 million people. But you, by the time you go back, um, <laughs> this looks soft. They're saying if you go back to, uh, now I don't know who's actually created this statistic, but they're actually saying if you go back 10,000 years, <laughs> well, actually 10,000 BC, <laughs> there was two people. They've actually got two people. That's where, that's perfectly that's, right, because it's Adam, Adam and Eve. Eve. We're back to this show <laughs> and Adam and Eve. We have to go back to, actually, there you go again, none. If we think of evolution and Darwinian evolution, there wasn't two monkeys becoming two humans overnight, if that was to jump. Well, there well, had to be about 100,000 effectors running around and evolving genetically yeah. on multiple points and locations. Therefore, at what point is there two? It, it doesn't make sense. And if you had to, then never mind the maths on other statistics of, are we, are we the broken statistic based on starting from a two that knew each other? You know, because you know, if they hadn't known each other, maybe we would have been that other bunch with the elongated skulls and yep. a little bit more intelligent. Well, that's the thing. Not Where do they come from? Because you've got, you've got yeah. the, 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 the Anderthal sort of, sort of died out around about, somewhere around about that time. And, the, and there seemed to be the human human sapiens species had actually sort of arrived and was start, starting to compete with it. So at the moment, we, we killed off all the Neanderthals, but they were around for quite some time, well before the humans had actually turned up. And what about the dinosaurs? What about their souls? What about the T-Rexes? No, but... And the, and the Stenosauruses? I am very happy to, <laughs> s to stick to the Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Side of the Galaxy, Galaxy, and the dinosaurs were just bones placed in sand... To, to annoy our later archaeologists and make ah. them confused. Were they 3D printed? What the hell is it's just, it was actually a plan to distract. 
because they went this direction and that direction. They go, they're finding these big, huge bones and it just doesn't make sense. There's some alien out there having a laugh. And that was what they were doing. It's just they're planting history to be found in order. And that's where they had those other anomalies, like those those screws and light bulbs stuck well, in a million-year-old rock in the middle of it. I, just give them something that when they find it, it just destroys all their things. preconceived yeah. notions before that. Well, actually, I have a theory now, and I think uh, my little theory that I'm just about to sort of develop as we talk, and because of what we've been, the conversation we've been having, I believe that there's God on one side and there's the universe on this side. And they're actually, they have... Uh, uh, an accordion between the two of them and they're actually pulling it so time keeps sort of stretching out and then it keeps getting compressed in and then it gets stretched out and they're making these kind of weird noises kind of thing backwards and forwards <laughs> and you end up with this tune that's coming along and we're actually the tune we're actually the music that is actually left afterwards called human beings and well the imagery <laughs> that gave me is stephen hawkins brief history of time and what it is, is is the universe... He, I think he postulated when he was in his college days that the, the universe is still expanding. And we don't know how... You know, it's, he, I think it was a mention of an elastic band. It's like saying, at what point are we on that expansion of pulling that elastic band all the way out? Now, again, where the centre of the universe is doesn't really matter for the moment. There was a big bang... And it's going out in all directions. It's going out from that point of origin. And it's expanding. And later on, when the tech allowed, further into his career, they were able to measure the speed of light from distant stars and planets that showed the measure had actually got longer and further away from, from earlier, measure, earlier measure points, which then showed that that had moved away. At X speed, therefore, it was still expanding, and it proved as null hypothesis became, you know, proven uh, hypothesis because the tech arrived to prove the point. And he had other, you know, certain theories about sir stuff not being able to, nothing can escape the pull of a black hole. But he, since I think before he died, I think he said no. No, there are things that can escape this this event horizon and all that, or come out of the black hole. But earlier on. He, that was the hypothesis and the null hypothesis because no, no one could even find a black hole. No one could disprove it because he couldn't even measure it. This was all ideology based on assumption and preposition and, and everything else. But then the tech arrived and they could. But you just said the accordion and, and, and it's been stretched out. That's the elastic band. That's the universe. So it's not the universe fighting God. The universe is the actual accordion in the middle. So there's this other unknown. And Actually, God doing God, that then. And they're pulling it. <laughs> and they're, this is the universe is expanding and contracting over time. So when it expands to the full of the elastic band, what happens next is it's the elastic Contract. band starts to pull back. Yeah. And they are saying this will happen. Now, how many billion, million years it's going to take to do that? It doesn't matter. But what's going to happen at the end, restaurant at the end of the universe is it all comes back and starts contracting and suns and the black holes swallow suns and suns implode into white dwarfs and all the above happen. And ah. we'll, you know, six billion years from now is the, is the end of our universe, uh, our universe as we know it. But there's multiple million universes out there. But that expand, if we follow that hypothesis, the elastic band universe will at some point start to contract. We don't need to worry about it. Some generational, you know, you know, ancestor, well, not, I can never get this right, not our ancestor, but our, but yeah. our further generations of, of our children's children's there children 
will have that problem if we're lucky. But again, if you go from <laughs> 1 billion to 10 billion to 20 billion in a couple of hundred years, this, this planet, in the absence of something we don't know now, is going to be well past the tipping point and effectively it cannot sustain the, even the amount of air being bred in and out there in terms of carbon monoxide unless we figure out how to store it. And if the ice caps are melting and that's been released from the past, we're not going to have the problem of worrying about that and neither will our future generations because the tipping, we have to come up with new tech to store carbon monoxide, shoot it into space, and able to sustain generating food for these mass populations. Well, I think what, because what, what, what you've actually just now been discussing there is we, we went back to the idea of frequency. So, so once once it goes out, it has to come back. You, you, can't, you can't have an up without a down. You have the up and down frequency. And we've been talking about the expanse. So the problem was, I think the likes of Stephen Hawkins and all that, they didn't have a measurement to measure the biggest distance because they weren't around long enough to actually get the big so the frequency was only on part of it one of the other concepts that you suddenly started to talk about there which kind of reminded me of the film tenant that's just been out recently was the fact that actually if it's going back there is somewhere in this universe or an alternative universe where we are actually talking about what we're doing now and as opposed to watching our waveforms going one way and being created it's being unraveled the other way and we're actually doing the benjamin button stint of going backwards from dying being born you know dying and becoming something and then actually being born but the other way around and actually doing everything in reverse and they're sitting there kind of going God, flipping heck, look what they have to do. They have to be born and go through and die <laughs> to come back. I no, you're actually, right you're actually, there was an episode of Red Dwarf. Yeah. And I think, I think it was called Backwards. It, might have, it may not have been. They, they <laughs> arrived on whatever planet and I said, Nod, Nod Nall or something, which was London, I think it yeah. was. And that's exactly that was what was happening. They were moving forward in a backwards time-flowing world. Now, it was very funny. I enjoyed that show now because it was, they were, you know, opened their mouth and a, and, a, and a creamy Claire would come out that's of it, it. And they'd put it back on the table and take <laughs> money. And, and the girl would pay them for the, their own money back. Yeah. But I mean, as you said, it's if when they, when they want to do what the bear does in the woods, you know, it was going the opposite direction. You don't want to be doing that. But at the same time, you're going, Small I don't believe in that concept of time traveling backwards and people being, you know, dying and then then working back to being like a fetus. No, it doesn't make sense for, it doesn't make sense to me. Ah, I, 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 but the alternative I, you, the alternative you, does, he can't make sense of what we're doing. <laughs> so it still works. No, I'm saying, what I'm talking about is if the universe starts contracting, it's not that it starts just you know, actually unfolding backwards. I think it's actually, if you've reached the thing, the, the, the stretch of the elastic band. But the elastic band started off as an elastic band to begin with, or maybe it, or it came from a point and grew. But it's not that it's un going backwards. It's actually, that was one journey. This is a different one. It's contracting. It's not, it's not going back in time. You know, we're not, I don't believe time is contracting. It's going to take a billion years for it, it to contract back to the point of origin and end in terms of a big bang. Uh, no, not a big bang. Uh, well, the other way around, as you say. Um, implode. But, but it's, it's implode. <laughs> implode. That's the word I was looking for. So actually, there's, it's the restaurant at the end of the universe. As you said, I don't know. They're waiting for the universe to... Uh, no, well, it's probably implode. But again, that's a different action. It's not... <laughs> 
No, I know. The bang, go. it's not a thing in reverse in the terms of a camera, because if you thought of every spin of the universe and things that dis were destroyed or blew up or got sucked into black holes, that already happened on the expansion. It's so, it's, that sun is not going to reappear out of a black hole on the contraction. I don't, well, I, I don't know. I think that's for a bunch of physicists and nuclear physicists and scientific, <laughs> you know, sort of people to sit in the room and go, what does it act, what does the reverse journey of the universe or the multiple universes actually look like? Will suns be reborn from death, death throes? Or is it just, it's going to flow back, flow backwards or get pulled to the centre? It's not flowing backwards. It's the same journey, the second part of it. And I think we better come to an end here. I think what we better do at this particular point in time, in end, in in ending, is actually concentrate on the now and forget about the future, forget about the past, forget about expansion, forget about compression. Although we better think about compression when we're rendering out this video for for everybody to look at. But but we need to concentrate and be in the present <laughs> and start to relax and enjoy but you life. Always, and the great thing is, you always are. You yeah. only uh, that's what the whole that the whole conversation was about. We're only, only in, in the present. The present. Um, it doesn't matter. That was history 200 years ago. That's history 5 billion years from now. Doesn't affect us, can't affect us. We can influence in the now, and that's all that matters. But, of course, the great thing about it is we can have these conversations in the now than having a bland conversation. We can be talking about the universes. We can talk about infinity. We can talk about multiple life forms and the future of tech. Yo, in the now, we can dream, we can aspire. We don't need to talk about nothing and watch Carnation Street. But what is important is that old men go to pubs, have a beer and drink about, no, talk about nonsense and actually sort out the rest of the world and figure out all the problems that there are. That's an important social activity that should never be in the past and it should always be in the now and in the future. And we should always enjoy a good pint over a, over a discussion that taxes our thoughts and our memories and our ideas and, and actually is exciting because that's where you generate ideas for a new product and new ideas for anything you want to think about. Thanks for listening to us. We may have got into a little bit of a muddle with our future, our past and our compressions and our, our in, in, in implosions and explosions, but... It's been very thought-provoking, so we hope you enjoyed this episode. Come and listen to us every Friday on our podcasts, on our YouTube, and see the little extracts that we are putting together on Facebook and Instagram and all those other places that we're about to invade, because we will explode everywhere very soon. Bye for now. Bye for now. Enjoy your personal universe, or move to someone else's. Catch you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this video, please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications.